0: In this homily, I want to talk about how one becomes a disciple of Christ. Uh, there are really four aspects of the calling, or four aspects of becoming a disciple. Uh, there's, first of all, the calling from, from God himself. There's the listening to that calling. There's the knowing the person who called. And then, of course, there's the obedience to the person who called. These, these four points, they all, they all go together, but there is a sort of development that takes place as one becomes a disciple uh, taking, for example, the apostles, as they were there fishing on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus calls them to hear, to hear the voice of Jesus, you know, saying, uh, Simon, you know, follow me, John, follow me. We hear that calling quite often, for, you know, as little kids, particularly when, you know, the parents call us in from outside, you know, come on, eat, eat supper, come on in, lunch is ready, uh, come on in, clean your room, uh, whatever it is, you know, we, we hear that calling, and we recognize the voice that calls us. So, so when there's the calling, there's the listening aspect of it. One listens to that voice and one can then adhere to the, what the voice is saying or one can just you know, go on one's way and continue doing one's um, work or whatever what, what one was doing. The, the calling, if it's someone that we know, we, of course, want to respond to that call The apostles experienced the verbal voice of Jesus calling them, but before that they had a tug at their heart, a tug that every one of us has in our hearts. The tug is this, this desire for the truth. We all desire to know the truth, and we know that the truth, of course, is Jesus. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So through knowing the truth, we come to know God. When somebody lies to us, we immediately are offended and we're hurt. Why? Because the truth is not being told. Because the truth that we all long for is not being made present at that moment to us by the person who's lying to us. So when somebody lies, we get hurt, particularly if it's somebody close to us. You know, you think of a spouse lying to their spouse, how much that hurts, a parent lying to, to his or her child, a child lying to one's siblings or one's parents. Uh, it hurts a whole lot more if it's somebody that you, you, you trust, someone that you, um, you, that you know well. So the calling, there's this voice of truth that we all have, but of course God also calls us on a very intimate level, even outside or with, within the voice of truth. So being able to listen to God's voice begins with listening to the truth, but it also continues um, in other ways. God speaks to us. He tells us to do this, tells us to do that. In our first reading, we know we know um, from the prophet Elijah, this is from the first book of Kings. The prophet Elijah is there on the mountain that the same mountain that Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments. Elijah's there. There's you know all these great things. There's the earthquake, there's the fire. There's you know the big storm, but it's when there's that tiny whispering sound. It's within that tiny whispering sound that Elijah recognizes the voice of God. We don't know what was said. We don't know what that sounded like, but we know that it was the voice of God because Elijah, Elijah himself says so. In the Gospel reading that we just heard, uh, so it's the continuation of last week's Gospel reading. Remember Jesus fed the 5,000? They're there. He sends them the apostles to get into the boat. They leave. They go across the lake. Jesus stays back. He dismisses the crowds. He then goes up to the mountain to pray. The disciples are out there being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against them. It's the fourth watch of the night, so it's about like three, four o'clock in the morning. Uh, they've only gone a couple, three miles. It's a, if they're going the short way across the Sea of Galilee, it's only about five miles. If you're on a boat, it doesn't take you, you know, four or eight hours to get across the lake. Anybody who's been in a boat and you you row it, unless the storm is against you. So they've been rowing against the wind. They already have known Jesus for some time. Jesus then comes walking across in the water. Something that you may have not caught is when they see Jesus, they think he's a ghost. Jesus responds, take courage, it is I. He doesn't announce himself as, hey, folks, it's, it's me, Jesus of Nazareth. He doesn't say that. But he simply says, take courage it is his eye. It's dark. They don't, they don't recognize Jesus, but they recognize his voice. They recognize the voice of the one they know. All of us have been, you know, in the grocery store or Walmart, and you hear somebody talking, and you recognize their voice. How do you recognize their voice? It's because you know the person. How did Elijah recognize the voice of God in that tiny whispering sound? It's because he knew God. So when these apostles hear Jesus say, "Take courage," it is I. Their courage comes across them. They're, they they are no longer discouraged from the storm, but their courage comes. It's their master. It's Jesus who just fed the five thousand. And then, what's crazy? in this relationship that they have is they're becoming a disciple of Jesus. When when Peter hears this, he says, Lord, if it is truly you, tell me to come on the water. Jesus only says one word, come. Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on water. I don't know about you, but if, imagine your best friend telling you, well, first of all, coming on water. You know, they're walking on water and they say, hey, you know, come walking towards me on the water. I don't know about you, but I probably would have a difficult time trusting that guy. Yes, he maybe can walk on water, but I don't know about me. You know. But Jesus trusts. I mean, uh, Peter trusts Jesus. And he gets out of the boat and he walks on water. That's more courage than any of the other disciples there in the boat. That's a lot of courage to get out and he walks on water. But how does he... How does he walk on water? It's because he's listening to the voice of the one who told him to come. He's being obedient to the voice of the one who told him to come. And he walks on water. But you notice what takes place. So at this point, Peter knows Jesus. He's he's responded to that call. He's um, even being obedient to Jesus. He's walking on water. But when Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus, that's when he again loses his courage. He loses his faith. And he begins to sink. When he focuses on the storm, that's when he begins to sink. When we think of our own lives, when we become discouraged, when we become desolate, when when there's difficult things, or where it's just like... How is this going to... It's when we take our eyes off Jesus. If you ever want to take your eyes off Jesus, just turn on the news for an hour or two hours. You're going to be pretty discouraged by the time you, you get out, you turn the TV off. It's because when we look at the storm, when we look at what's going, all the terrible things going on in the world, we look at them without keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus rather than being able to walk across the water, we sink into it. There's a lot of waves going on in the world today, but we're able to walk on top of those waves if we keep our eyes fixed on Christ. If we are attentive to his call, then we can walk on the waves. Somebody comes to you and tells you some terrible news, Rather than it ruining your day, it may bring sorrow to your day, but it doesn't ruin your day if you have your eyes fixed on Jesus. So there's the call, the voice of truth that all of us receive from God. There's the listening to the voice of truth. There, of course, is then the knowing we come to know Jesus. Not like we know the mailman, but we have an intimate relationship with Christ. We know his voice. When he calls us, we know it's him without a doubt. And then, of course, there's that obedience. We are called to be obedient to Christ. This last week, as I've talked about the last number of weeks, uh, we had on Thursday Eucharistic exposition and Adoration. Uh, it, was, it was beautiful. It was great. I've heard um, a number of folks um, respond to me and say, you know, it was, it was just so good to have that, uh, which is great where we you're able to just come and spend an hour with Jesus. Uh, a number of you haven't signed up, and, and that's that's fine if you're not able to. Uh, but even if even if you're not taking a full hour, you can just come by the church and just stop on in and talk to Jesus, particularly on Thursdays when we have adoration. But even on other days, you can just stop on by, sit in the pews or kneel, and just come before Jesus in the blessed sacrament and pour your heart to him. You'll find that he will say the same thing to you as he said to Peter. Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. That's the voice that we need to hear in today's culture. Because we become anxious, concerned, desolate about many things. There are still a few hours, though, that need to be signed up for. There's, I think, three now. Two or three where um, there's only one person here. Some of the hours have more. But there's still a couple or three the sheet is in the back of the church there. If you would, the Lord stir in your heart, um, just simply sign up for an hour. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be great. Jesus is going to do great things to your hearts and great things to the hearts of um, all those at our parish. I'm going to close with, with a story. Um, today we celebrate the feast day of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. You may have heard her story before. Uh, many know her as Edith Stein. She was the eleventh of, or she was yeah the eleventh child um, in the family, the youngest. She was born in Poland on October twelfth, eighteen ninety one. Now over a hundred years ago. She was the the um, she grew up in a Jewish family. Her father died when she was very young, and her mother, being a devout Jew, raised all the kids in the Jewish faith. They would go to synagogue the very other aspects. Of, you know, that they were involved with reading the Old Testament, uh, very involved. But at a very young age, it says when she was a young teenager, so 13, 14 years old, she later said that she became an avowed atheist. She no longer believed in God. As she, she um, left high school, as she went off to college, she went to Germany and studied there German as well as history and then got involved with mental psychology It was her search for the truth. She thought God didn't exist, but in everybody's heart, we all long for the truth. We long for more, and that's what she did. So she begins to study. There at the university, she came in contact with Edmund Husserl. He was a great philosopher, uh, has had a great impact on a lot of people. Um, We studied him in seminary. Anyway, she worked with him for some time. As she was there at the university, she came in contact with Catholicism. She had never had contact previously. Then, um, as Husserl moved to another place, she went along with him as his associate, and she received her doctorate uh, through his help. But it was in the summer of 1921 that something changed in her. She began to know some Catholics and one day, as she was staying at this person's place, they had the autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila, St. Teresa of Jesus, a Carmelite nun who lived in the, in the 1500s, um, who re- really revived the Carmelite order. She read her autobiography. She spent the entire night reading, and when she was finished, the next morning she said, This is the truth. This is the truth. The autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila told her story of how the, all the struggles that she went through in reforming the, the Carmelite community. And Edith Stein realized there's something more to life. And she had a great conversion. She then began to have a desire to enter into the Carmelite order. So in, um, after, before that, um, of course, she needed to be baptized. She read the autobiography in summer of 1921. January 1st of the next year, she was baptized a short time. RCIA for us, or becoming Catholic, it usually takes nine months or even longer. But for her, it was a short time because she, she had known a lot already, and she was brought on in. After that, then, she decided to become a Carmelite nun, and, and she did enter the Carmelite monastery on October 14, 1933. She received her at habit the following year in April. At that time, she was living in Cologne, Germany. You all know what was happening in Cologne, Germany, or all across Germany at the time Adolf Hitler had come to power, the Nazis were in power, and she was a Jew. She then went to another convent. After that one, she went to Holland because um, Germany was starting to be very occupied by the um, by the Nazi regime. So she went to Holland to a monastery there. But then, a short time later, just two years later, um, they came to to Holland and overtook it. She was immediately arrested, even though she was Catholic. At this time, she still looked like a Jew. At this point, in in Hitler's um, conquering the world, he had come out with a platform that unless you looked like such and such, blonde hair, blue eyes, and certain things, um, one was sent off to the concentration camps. It's rather sad what what he did, but it was it, w- it was terrible nonetheless. Um, so she was then brought off to Poland uh, once again. Um, to Auschwitz. And on August 9th, 1942, she met her martyrdom in the gas chambers. Today she's in heaven. Today she comes to us at this Mass. And we join her with all the angels and saints and we sing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Looking at her life, we recognize she had this desire for the truth. And having been saying yes to that desire for the truth, she came in contact with eternity. She came in contact with him who is eternal, the Ancient One, Jesus Christ. So at this Mass, let's pray for the grace that we too may stay close to the Ancient One. That's why we come to Mass. It's so that we can get close to this Ancient One, the One who comes to us in the Most Blessed Sacrament, the One who frees us of our sins. Let us join our hearts to Jesus today. And let us heed his voice, take courage it is his eye, Do not be afraid.